This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools, and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Welcome back to Life Made Better, the podcast where we interview interesting people that not only inspire us, but so that we can find out how they made their life better and how we can learn from their story and their challenges. Today, we have the lovely Tanya. Tanya helps students, parents, and teachers overcome the overwhelm of school and daily life. She is the founder of TN Education. She helps students feeling stressed out by their studies or students who want to be making more progress, but just aren't sure where to begin. She also helps parents who simply want their child to succeed and, of course, teachers who are feeling that burnt out or feeling that overwhelm and want to restore their life work balance without losing passion for one of the most rewarding jobs on the planet. I can totally agree with that, Tanya. As everybody's been hearing, I was in education for 23 years. So I love that you're still in this space and combining it with coaching. And we're so happy to have you here today. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much, Fleur, um, for having me here today. I am obviously very excited to be here, you know, to share some thoughts and ideas and hopefully something that resonates with your listeners. So I'll try and give you the abridged version. <laughs> I grew up in Australia, so I'm originally from Melbourne. I guess from a cultural perspective, I have a mixed background of Italian Sri Lankan. So my upbringing was pretty rich and diverse, made for very good eating a lot of the time. And I suppose uh, I wasn't 100% clear on what I wanted to do for most of my secondary schooling, but my sister reminded me recently that there are cassette tapes of myself recording, like leading a class. I was pretending to be a teacher, so perhaps it was inevitable (laughs) that I ended up in education at some point. So, yeah, I completed uh, undergraduate studies in sciences and humanities and the natural progression from that was to actually do my qualification in teaching, which I did do. And then rather than go into teaching straight away, I sort of took a sidestep and I was invited into the education research world. So I I worked in education policy research in Melbourne for about four years. What was really great about this role was that it, it actually gave me some really terrific insights into the other side of a school and understanding the drivers that are behind school initiatives. And in particular, The centre that I worked with, a professor that headed up the centre at the time, he was really interested in trying to bridge the gap for the sort of lowest performing and some of the poorer communities. And he was very inspiring for me at the time. So I did that work in, in Melbourne for about four years. And then in 2007, I moved to the UK and yeah, as they say, the rest is history. Since then, since 2007, I've had a few different school experiences And uh, yeah, teaching in secondary science education across a a few different school settings, um, all-girls schools, mixed schools in the state and independent sector. And more recently, in the last probably 18, 12 to 18 months, I've slowly transitioned out of full-time teaching and I'm moving a bit more into the adolescent coaching and mentoring sphere. So I hope that gives you a bit of a background. (laughs) 
That is, that is a lovely background and I would love hearing, Tanya, is that, you know, as your sister rightly pointed out, and as we're finding with some of the guests that we're interviewing, is that quite frequently we have that sort of calling or purpose from when we are very little, in your case, being a teacher, and then you you went to, to make that sort of purpose come true. So thank you for, for staying true to yourself. And, you know, I think as the majority of parents can now uh, testify with our renewed sense of all for any teacher in the room. Thank you for the work that every single teacher has been doing. But what I'm curious to hear is what gave you that that courage to take the leap, as you were saying, transitioning now from full-time teaching to being a mentor and coach. We're also finding that a lot of us sort of think about doing these things, but can't quite get ourselves to do it. So it'll be great to hear from your own perspective, where did you find that courage to take that leap of faith? Yeah, sure, Lucia. So I think probably the best way I can describe it is that sometimes it just starts off as a feeling. But I suppose for many people who have made a leap of that kind, it also comes from whatever life circumstances you might be presented with. And for me, it was definitely a combination of life factors at the time. I'd had a very difficult school experience as a teacher, sort of in the middle of my career, which left me feeling really demoralized about the profession. I felt like my confidence had been completely knocked. I had, you know, sort of in my personal life, things felt like they were just really overwhelming and a bit like they were falling apart. So in a sense, I really needed to actually take a step away. I didn't really have the room, like a lot of the mornings that I would have to go and face this job, I felt very anxious. And what I really wanted at the time was just to be able to press pause. And then when I finally did move schools, that that particular experience gave me the space to be able to just focus a bit more on myself. So in a way, it was my own journey into my self-development that started to lead me to have some of these conversations with my pupils, bizarrely enough. And But I think it was the fact that through our lessons, you know, sometimes it's very easy when you're in a teaching timetable to want to just stick to the plan for the lesson and not engage in conversation because you have an outcome that you have to achieve. And what I was finding was that actually giving the students space to just air whatever it was that was happening for them in that moment was was having a couple of different effects. It was actually improving the relationship that I had with them in my classroom. And it was actually was watering down the degree of like severity of that situation for them in in the time as well. And so those conversations became more interesting to me. I started to sort of apply some of the same principles that I was experiencing through my own coaching. And I ended up um, developing a mini program that I offered to some of my students, which explored some of the same themes. And we looked at, you know, confidence building and self-esteem and fear and just getting organized. The same things that I was experiencing myself, but just a slightly different version for them. So, and I felt, as I said, it was, it was also a feeling like from the previous experience, I'd started to feel that maybe teaching isn't exactly where I want to be. There's a form of it, but, and definitely in the space of working with young people is something that I really enjoyed, but just that I needed, I needed a different way of being in that space. So that was my transition, I think. Thank you for that. And I'm hearing a couple of things actually. And the first one being how we kind of get uncomfortable before we need 
to change or we think about change because we know what we're doing at the moment isn't making us feel great. And some people, you know, go further into that pain before they change. So it's good that you did manage to change and learn more about yourself. Am I, and am I hearing you right? You've got your own coach? So, yeah, through sort of on my own journey, I ended up in a few different programs where coaching was available. And, yeah, I had my own coach, um, which was great. And that, I think, kind of set me up to want to be in that sphere more myself. Yeah. So we hear this a lot from coaches that have had coaching that they sort of see the magic and see, realize how much so many of us need these skills and their skills that aren't taught. And as you've, you highlighted earlier, schools are very much now about content. And as we know, as coaches, if we are not feeling good about ourselves, it's very hard to learn. And I think you noticed that when you started having those conversations with the students and giving them some compassion, some space, some connection, they could get calmer and less stressed about what was happening in their life and they were more able to learn. So I think highlighting both of those things, the fact that getting support always helps and a coach is a, is a great way of getting you to see what blind spots you've got and, you know, helping you with those, you know, confidence, self-esteem, fear, which we know as coaches, most people are coming from fear. They don't even realize it because they're not aware of it. And also I love the way you've put that in back into the classroom because you realize that if I'm struggling, you know, why wouldn't these young people who are having so many changes be struggling? So kudos to you and well done for taking your learning and then using it. And there is something about when we apply what we've learned to somebody else, it, it makes it more concrete for us as well. So I can see how it was a, a win-win situation for you and your students. So I'm curious to know, now you've been doing this for a while, what are the main concerns you're seeing in teenagers recently? So obviously, you know, lived through the situation of the pandemic, that's unpacked a few other things for many of the young people that I'm working with. But, you know, prior to that, it was usually organisation. It was just the feeling of overwhelm around meeting deadlines, being disorganised, you know, the simple things like, oh, I've turned up to school, you know, for the fourth week in a row and again I don't have the right books and again I don't have the pens and pencils that I'm supposed to use and now because of it I'm getting into trouble, I'm, I'm getting detentions, it's this kind of thing. So it, it is organisation but the organisation is often linked to like a whole array of other things and obviously being in a global pandemic that's kind of escalated that situation for some individuals so just general overwhelm around that and also worry and like fear, anxiety that comes from places that sometimes we don't even realise. Um, you know, in some of the conversations that I've had more recently, there are experiences that perhaps even parents or carers might not even be aware of. And we're talking about it could be someone um, who's distantly known to the person who's gotten sick or ill with a, a particular disease. Maybe it is COVID or something else. But that, that very brief encounter of that experience has then left quite, quite a mark on the individual and then they're finding that when they're in sort of overwhelm, their default place of like sort of world-ending scenario is 
oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to end up really ill with this particular sickness or that thing's going to happen to me as well. And that's been one that I've um, been presented with fairly recently. But it is probably if I could, you know, list just top three or four, it's really around organisation and just the sheer volume of things that they try to pack in and not being very good at knowing when to say no or how to just schedule those things. And like us, navigating relationships is a really big one as well. You know, I'm, <laughs> I, I sometimes reminisce about my teenage years and think I'm actually so grateful that I've passed that period now because it's really hard. And especially with all the social media inputs these days, it's, it's added a whole new dimension to the potential for relationships to break down and, you know, blow up in ways that we never experienced when we were much younger. So navigating relationships is also one that, and I don't mean sort of even in intimate relationships, I mean just friendships. That So they're probably the most common things, I would say. Mm. And would you say, because I think this is something that we're also hearing as a result of the pandemic, but obviously especially of teenage years, when your friendships are the core of your life, you know, they mean even more than your family. So the fact that for such a long period of time, they have been deprived of that, of that connection, of that contact, of not just only being able to go back to your life, but physically being removed from the school premises or not being able to get together with your friends after school for a regular catch-up as you would. How have you seen any of these affecting the teenagers that you coach or a spike as a result of this? Definitely. I think it's so for some young people, perhaps there was already some tension before we went into a lockdown, for example, and not being able to see one another to resolve that like they normally would has meant that there's been this prolonged period of anxiety around it. So we've had to do, you know, some have some mediation conversations, for example, on entry to make everyone feel comfortable again. But on the other side of that, there are definitely the cases where young people have actually found remote learning really comforting. And for those who don't really like engaging socially, it's been really helpful to them. So actually going back into school has been the thing that's elevated their anxieties again. They've found it hard to reintegrate back into the classroom. You know, for them, it's important to actually have quiet time and they don't necessarily enjoy the school experience. So it is a real mixed bag at the moment. You've got some who really depend on their friends and who like being social but have found a little bit jarring because those friendships maybe aren't exactly in the same place that they were previously. And then the others who (laughs) would just rather forever learn from home, I think. Yeah, I think there's such a mix, isn't there, of an added layer of problem. You know, those children that needed to be with other kids who are now, you know, were at home for so long and couldn't learn on their own. So they've got behind. And like you said, you know, I've got a daughter that actually liked working at home in the safety of her own um, bedroom. And then it's hard. It's even harder to go back. So it's just that added level of stress. And even for the you know, the very robust kids. I've got, you know, two of mine are really robust and resilient, I'd say. And they were shaken by it because 
it's you know to live through a p- pandemic is such a stressful situation that you know none of us have lived through so the parents and other adults that they look for for security and support they're also nervous stressed not used to working at home so they've got that added layer of you know being in the house with those relationships as well and feeling the adult stress so I think it's it's no wonder that there's so many teenagers now that are having problems with anxiety depression overwhelm and like you said earlier that overwhelm when they're overwhelmed they cannot organize themselves that logical part of the brain just doesn't work and we know in teenage years anyway that they have trouble keeping that online so that extra overwhelm is is just you know so debilitating for them so what i would like to know is kind of what are the best resources that you've that you've used to help these teenagers and maybe you know any of the parents listening it might be helpful for them yeah for, i would say for the most part for it's just a lot of them are just happy to actually have a conversation for many of them it's just a pair of unbiased non-judgmental ears that they're really after they don't necessarily want a solution they just want to talk to someone and just have their fears and concerns validated reassured and for someone to tell them you know it's okay I really I really hear you I get it what you know is there something you want to do how do you want to work towards you know what's the next step for us because I think, as you pointed out, you know, we're in this, we're in this uh, situation where for a really extended period of time now, we've all experienced these heightened levels of anxiety. So our, you know, from a scientific perspective, I know you've got a science background as well, but, you know, our homeostasis bar has been reset to much higher. I know I've certainly felt it. And for me, yeah, for periods throughout the year, I've also felt like I've been in a really heightened state of fight and flight. And I don't want to be in that zone. So for them to be there, you know, it's my job to just help them bring that down. So I'd say talking is obviously the first big one. And then just setting really micro goals for them, working out, you know, what is the, what is the most, what's the biggest challenge they've got on their plate, like immediately. For some of the more senior students I've been working with recently, it's been obviously having to sit the recent assessments and the worries and concerns around the assessments and the six forms and the expectations of six forms and, you know, barely being able to manage lessons, let alone assessments, let alone target grades to actually get into their chosen six form college. So it's just setting micro goals. What, what can we control and what other small steps we can make in the direction of what we can actually control and then just helping them to stay accountable. I know very recently I've had some students who just actually need that consistency of a bit of a nudge to make sure that they're not falling off. Yeah, I love that. I love that it's like having their own little cheerleader, isn't it? And somebody that can can listen to them. And like you said, it's unbiased because it's much, you know, I'm a parent of three teenagers. So as much as we want to be unbiased, <laughs> it's near enough impossible because we're emotionally tied to them so I think I'm hearing you say and even parents can validate their feelings and go and we know it's we know it's hard for you we know you might be feeling angry or sad or stressed and that validation and not making their feelings wrong is essential for teenagers being able to express themselves so they do get help and they don't bury 
those feelings and use these poorer mm. coping mechanisms. So thank you for that. And I think it's also important to flag because as parents, we tend to think that we need to have all the solutions and we need to provide all the care and support, which in a way, yes, you do. But I think it's also very important, especially in teenage years, to understand that whilst you're still being the role model for your children, they're going to love you with all their heart. But this maybe is a time in their lives where actually having an external source they can talk to, as you guys were saying, that is unbiased, that has no judgment on the table. They're just literally there to hold the space for you. It could become even more important. So if you're a parent listening to this and you're going through any of these motions, please don't feel guilty. Don't feel sort of despair or pressured I think this is a moment in time where kind of you know putting your tools down and understanding that there are professionals out there that can help you out is not a curse is a blessing so just a shout out for any struggling parents out there you don't have to do this alone there are people very much willing to help you along the way so you can also help your child along the way. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Lucia. And I mean, I'll just, you know, second what you said there. Even I don't have all the answers when I'm working with a young person. It is really about just asking them what what do they need? And that's a question that I've actually really tried to reinforce a lot of the time working with young people and getting them to think about it. Because I think, as you mentioned um, earlier in the conversation, Fleur, a lot of the time they don't know. They're so bound up in the expectations of a school, the expectations of whatever is going on in the home. And just to touch on something you said there, Lucia, also, I think it's really important to recognise that in the home space, obviously, when as, a, as adults, we've got our own stuff going on, just to be mindful that whether it's being verbalised or not, that is also being picked up by everybody else in the space. And that's another thing that I'm sort of hearing from some of the young people that I work with that not to say that the environment at home is not a not a healthy one, but they're very aware of not wanting to maybe bother a parent because they know that they're under their own stresses. They can see the difficulties they might be having with the whole sort of work from home situation or the way that life has changed up for them as well. So there are a lot of a lot of layers to it, really. Mm, And I love the fact that you said it's about asking them because we want to empower them to be responsible. We don't want to be, you know, making them think that we've only, we're the only ones that have got the answers. It's only adults that's got the answers because that isn't true. They've got to learn to, and like you said, you haven't got the answers. It's trial and error. So, you know, let's try this. Let's see if it works is, is, is getting them to be more curious that there is solutions and getting them to come up with them as well, isn't it? So I love that you've, highlighted that because it's really important that they don't think that it's adults that have got all the answers and that they are empowered to choose what they need because you know we're always our own best teachers we just don't realize that but making them aware that feelings are normal is one of the most important things I think when we're coaching adolescents that it's okay not to feel okay and not make that wrong Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. So laying on to that, because obviously as adults, some things of our own can come up. And obviously when you develop a job like you do, Tanya, which is a lot of, you know, support and mentoring and holding a safe space for everybody that you touch, 
how do you keep yourself up? How do you keep that mindset mindset strong? How do you keep your motivation? How? <laughs> Sitting in a dark room a lot of the time this year. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I need it there. Um, look, to be really honest, you know, I'm, I'm human like everybody else and I have some good days and good weeks and other times it doesn't sort of flow as much as I would like. But I would say, you know, when I'm at my best, it's probably a combination of a few different things. I really like to journal. I find that just for me, emptying my head of the stuff that's going on in there just really helps me to get a much clearer perspective of, you know, the, the scale of what it is that I think is a problem for me right now. So journaling is a, is a really important practice for me. And, you know, when I'm at my best, I'm probably doing it every day. And when I'm not at my best, I'm maybe doing it, you know, once a week or once every couple of weeks. But I try to make it as consistent as possible. But in with that as well, I try to enjoy a lot of outdoor time. One of the blessings for me as a result of lockdown was like obviously working in a school. I'm never home during the day, but it meant that I could sneak out between some lessons and actually get a walk in. And I, I don't think I f was fully aware of just how much I actually love the outdoor spaces. So for me, it is getting outside. And um, yeah, sport and exercise. I like running. I'm into some, well, I'd say they're not really extreme things, but I am a big fan of Wim Hof. So I do end my showers cold every morning, you know, and I am trying to learn to meditate better. I do practice it again. It's not as consistent as I would like it, but there's, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things that I like to try and do to keep me grounded. Mm. Our listeners can, can see us, but we are the three of us sort of nodding to <laughs> 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 go alongside that list. And I think like, you know, for anybody that has been listening, we cannot be more advocates of the outdoors and trying, even if you can, a walk or a little jog, anything that you can do outdoors, that feeling of being out in the fresh air can really go a long way. So we really thank you for bringing, bringing that up. I'm, I'm on the Winhof sort of slight approach. I might just finish my showers with three seconds of cold water, but we're getting there. <laughs> That's it. Little steps. <laughs> Little steps. Yeah, I'm a bit more crazy. I like the ice swimming. <laughs> it's ah, cold, the better. That's because yeah. I'm getting older and I need to wake myself up more than most. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you. I think, you know, looking after ourselves is, is top priority. And if we can get the teenagers as well to think about that they are a biology that needs looking after as well, I think it's really important. So, Tanya, is there anything else you still want to achieve? Oh, my goodness. So many things. Yeah, look, obviously the this business or this company that I've set up for myself is only in its fledgling months really. So continuing this work as a coach and a mentor because, you know, as far as I see it, there are many, many young people that I want to continue working with and who are very much in need of support, not just young people, but obviously being in the education sphere, I'd love to be that support for teachers as well and parents. You know, parents, I think maybe don't reach out as often as they could or, or should. And we just want them to know that we're also here to help them. I do some work alongside a charity as well. So I work with a charity. Can I give them a plug here? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So they're called Strong Gens and they are um, a charity that basically seek to empower children in crisis and conflict. 
and currently I'm volunteering some of my science teaching to that community. So it's very humbling to work with individuals who just don't have access to, you know, the important basics like shelter and food and, you know, clothing sometimes. So that's been a really humbling experience for me. So I'd love to continue that work with them and some other charities that I sort of have an interest in. And yeah, sort of if I can continue in the teaching sphere, that is something else that I would like to do as well. So yeah, there's lots. I've got I've got other plans, but you know, probably not enough time to talk about them all here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all start small, don't well, not small, because that those are huge things that you're already doing, but little by little, once you've completed one of those, and I'm sure you wanna have far more wonderful things to to achieve. So Tania. We've got one, uh, a couple of last questions for you. And what is the one question you wish we had asked you that we haven't? So probably if there was one, what do you wish you knew back then that you know now? And I think for me, it's that, you know, change is inevitable and just understanding the power of the tools that we have within us to navigate those changes and manage those changes is really important. And maybe two things, um, just be, being yourself and being authentic. I think it's, that's a really hard one. It's one that I've really had to relearn over the years. I think it's very easy, especially depending on your upbringing to fall into the traps of like people pleasing and doing things for the sake of others and not realizing along the way how much of you is actually getting lost in doing those things. So I've myself, I've had to sort of learn to just be okay with who I am again. Mm. I think it's a huge teaching for everybody, isn't it? We grow up and we, we want to be loved. So we, it, we can unfortunately change who we really are to please everybody else. And then that's, we're not our best self and we're not shining our light into the world. So I think Thank you for being so honest about that. And can you sum up in one sentence? We'll give you two if you want, or a paragraph. <laughs> How you have made your life better, Tanya? Yeah, I think I probably will need a paragraph here. So, but um, <laughs> I think just responding, it comes back to when you asked me earlier about how I made the transition or why I made the transition. It's just actually leaning into the feeling. We, again, we so often don't actually have a sense of how we feel about something and I know I knew you know the day that I walked back into a school on the 1st of September I had that feeling of is this going to be okay in a year's time and I knew in that moment that it wasn't going to be okay if I was doing the same thing in a year's time so I think responding to the things that you know light me up and that are moving me in the direction of what I'm actually passionate about and what makes me happy and allows me to be my most authentic and my most happy self, you know, that's part of it. And also, also accountability and accepting like our responsibility in things as well. And sort of not going through life, just like sort of with the victim mentality, I guess, actually owning up to stuff and taking responsibility for recognizing that, you know, the things that we don't like in others are also reflected in us and we can learn to do it differently, you know, accepting that I'm not going to be right all the time, but just being kind to myself because of it and saying, okay, well, maybe you didn't show up the way that you should have there, but we can go again. I love that you're accepting your humanity. <laughs> it sounds there. like Get it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get in there. 
of course yeah. it's never easy it's always a journey as we know and it's always easier on the good days <laughs> but thank you so much tanya for your wisdom and insight today it's been lovely having you here and your our first coach that's talked about teenagers so thank you so much and where can people find you Oh, firstly, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure talking to you both today. So I'm on the social spaces, Facebook and Instagram, and people can find me at The Classroom Coach and Mentor. And there is a, you can find me on LinkedIn at Tanya Nicholas, Tanya-Nicholas. And currently we've got some web things under construction. So, but they will be the same handle, The Classroom Coach and Mentor as well. We'll make sure to pop all those on the show notes as well as a charity that you should that you support in case people is interested in checking it out. Uh, yeah. Just echoing Fleur's words, thank you so much for being with us, Tanya. It's really been an enlightening conversation. So thanks for being so kind and vulnerable and open with us. Ah, oh, thank you so much. It's been great speaking to you both, and <laughs> yeah, I thank love you. the work that you're doing. Thank you for giving your time. And thank you to our audience for joining us for one more week. Thanks for showing us your love and appreciation. And please share this episode with anyone you think will benefit from it. Like, leave a comment and subscribe. And we look forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, stay well, stay safe and stay inspired. Much love.